Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Jackie Lang, who is Chief Executive Officer of Panama Relocation Tours. We will discuss relocating to Panama. After a Texas summer with 100-plus weather for 90 days straight, Jackie decided she wanted to move to a place where she'd never need air conditioning or a heater again. She wanted to live in a place where her windows could be open every day for fresh air. She researched and visited several different countries and picked Panama because of its strong economy, friendly people, safety, weather, and affordable prices. Shortly after moving to Panama in 2010, her friends asked her to show them Panama and teach them how to move to Panama as well. So she did a tour for eight friends and then others starting to call. Others started to call to learn how to relocate to Panama and so Panama Relocation Tours was born that year. Jackie has completed 172 relocation tours and helped people relocate to Panama the quote-unquote easy way. Jackie lives in Boquete, Panama, a town in the highlands that has daytime temperatures in the mid-70s all year long. Prior to moving to Panama, Jackie was a real estate investor in Texas and taught classes on creative real estate investing. Jackie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me on uh, this uh, podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity to share information about beautiful Panama. Let's start with something really basic. What are we talking about when we say Panama? Because I think for a lot of people, when they think of Panama, they think perhaps of Panama City in Florida, in northern Florida, in the Panhandle. But we're talking about Panama, the country. So tell us a little bit about Panama, the country, please. So Panama, the country, is actually in Central America, and it's uh, it's bordered on the east uh, by Colombia, and it's bordered on the west by Costa Rica. So a lot of people have heard of Costa Rica, but they haven't heard of Panama. But it's right next door to Costa Rica. It's actually a one-hour drive from my house to get to co- the Costa Rica border. Um, it's a small country. It only has about four and a half million people. Um, in the whole country. So there's a lot of wide open spaces. The majority of people do live in Panama City, but outside of Panama City, there's just so many wide open spaces. It's bordered on the south by the Pacific Ocean, and on the north of Panama is the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Sea. I know many people have probably heard of the Panama Canal. Well, the Panama Canal, um, it cuts right through the middle of the country, close to Panama City. Ships can either come in from the Atlantic, and it takes about eight hours to go through the Panama Canal, and they exit on the Pacific side, or they can enter on the Pacific side, and then eight hours later, exit on the Atlantic side. So Panama was strategically picked for the Panama Canal because it's just such a short distance. It's only about 40 miles between the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean and that place. And Panama is, do I understand correctly, outside the traditional hurricane belt? Is that right? That's another big plus about Panama. Yeah, Panama's never had a hurricane. They've never had a tsunami. We don't have tornadoes. There's no hailstorms to mess up your roof like I had in Texas all the time. So it's got great weather. The other unique thing about Panama, because it's only nine degrees from the equator, 
our temperatures are the same all year. Whether it's January or July, the temperature is going to be the same. And the temperature is at the coastline about 90 degrees Fahrenheit plus or minus 5. For every 1,000 foot increase in elevation, the temperature drops four degrees. So one of the unique things about Panama is you can pick your ideal temperature based on what the elevation is. My house is at 4,600 feet, so my daytime temperatures are right around 75 to 78 every single day. And then in the evening, it drops about 10 degrees. So if people love 90-degree weather, they we have that here, right here on the coast. If they prefer in the 80s, uh, we have that. If you prefer cooler weather, you just go up a little bit higher. So that's really unique about Panama that you can pick your temperature that you want. My understanding is that about 1% of the population in Panama are expats, so about 50,000. That, does that sound right? No, it's actually about 150,000 um, are from another country. About 150,000 people are from another country. Now, the number of people from the United States or the number of people from Canada, uh, that might be around 1% or 2%. But um, there's people from Europe that live here, people from Australia, New Zealand, um, just, you know, from all over the world are discovering the the beauty of Panama and the amazing weather that's available here in Panama. Plus, it's super affordable, especially compared to North America. It's so affordable. So as soon as people see it and they check the prices and see how affordable it is, a lot of people put Panama on their radar. How is the internet connectivity? Because in order to stay connected with family and friends for those people who are retiring, in order to stay connected with work for those people who are still working, the internet has become essential. Right. Well, and that's one of the great things about Panama is it's considered a hub for the uh, connectivity. And like my house right now, I live 12 minutes from downtown Boquete. So I'm you know, kind of in the country, but I still have 250 megabits of internet speed with fiber optic. Um, I could have 600 or 1,000 megabits of internet speed if I wanted it. And most of Panama does have fiber optic and um, high internet speeds, 1,000 megabits, 100 megabits or more of internet speed. So that makes it really convenient. Also, uh, Panama has about 135 international banks that are in Panama City. So the banking industry, of course, requires that it has really strong internet, plus all the logistics that are involved with the Panama Canal involves really good, strong internet. And there's been recently, especially with the pandemic, there's been a lot more people that have a remote job so they can really live anywhere in the world. So long as they have a strong internet connection, they can continue to work. So we've had a lot of people that I would call remote workers or digital nomads that have moved to Panama because the internet is so reliable and so strong here in Panama. These 150,000 foreigners who are living in Panama that we just talked about, what is the profile, if there is such a thing, or profiles perhaps, more than one profile? of Are they remote workers? Are they retirees? Are they people just living there temporarily for work? 
Um, so it kind of it goes across all of those um, qualifications of people that move here. I would say that probably 50% of the people that relocate to Panama are moving here because they want to retire and they need to reduce their cost of living. And Panama can certainly help them do that. Um, there's also... Um, the digital nomads, like I talked about, there's people that move to Panama because they want to start a business or bring their existing business to Panama. Panama does have the second largest free trade zone in the world. The largest one is in Hong Kong. So for some businesses, you can set it up in one of the many free trade zones that we have in Panama. Then you pay absolutely no taxes on your income which is a big plus for people that are coming from other countries that are used to paying such high taxes on their business. But um, the majority of our clients are retirees. Not all of them, but the majority of them are retirees. So yes, you can still get your social security check. You can get your military retirement pay. Um, you can get all those things. You can even get delivered right to Panama Bank if you want to. Um, but the majority are retirees that are enjoying no snow, no hot weather, no hurricanes, and uh, just a more affordable cost of living. I would say the average couple in Panama spends about $2,000 a month, maybe $2,500 a month, and that includes rent on living in Panama. So it's a drastic difference from the cost in North America. How would you compare that with the average rent in the U.S. or North America? Well, for example, my my uh, daughter lives in Austin, Texas, and she's always wishing I would move back to Austin, Texas. But I look at something that's equivalent to my house there. In my house, I own my house, but I have a rental property on my land that's a two-bedroom, two-bath on about an acre of land. It's completely furnished, includes all utilities for my tenant, and it rents for $695 a month here in Panama. includes the high-speed internet and everything, an equivalent property that's not even furnished and includes no utilities in Texas would be $1,600 for basically the same thing. So huge difference in the cost of living. And it's not just rent, but um, healthcare is super cheap here. You can go to a doctor for $2 at a public hospital, or you can go to a private clinic and it'll be $15. That price is without insurance. Um, our Panama, because of the orientation of it and because of the weather it has, Panama can grow food 365 days a year. So it doesn't even import very much food. And our food cost, because it's grown right here in the country, is very, very affordable also. So not only is your housing cost going to be less, but your grocery bill is going to be significantly less also. Tell us a little bit more about the food, because, of course, people have their preferences, the things that they're used to at home, and they're going to be concerned that X product that they like mm -hmm. isn't available in Panama or X fruit or vegetable, etc. So what would you say, for example, is the produce? What kinds of fruits and vegetables are grown there? So everything is going to be grown here with the exception of three things, apples, pears, and grapes. But those are all available. They do import apples, pears, and grapes. Um, but everything else is grown right here. 
So you have collard greens, you have spinach, we have collard Swiss greens, chard, kale. We have kale, we have Swiss chard, we have broccoli, cauliflower, you know, every, every kind of lettuce you can imagine, um, yellow squash, zucchini. Um, they grow rice here in Panama, so you can get fresh rice that was um, harvested that day. And um, cabbages. Um, we also have the most amazing bananas. Many different varieties of bananas are grown right here. Pineapple, you can get a gigantic two big pineapples for $1. Um, and papaya, mangoes um, are in season right now, and you get like six mangoes for a dollar. Um, we have several different varieties of avocados. Um, I like the Haas avocados, and I just bought some yesterday. got three large Haas avocados for $1. So anything that you, of course, onions and cilantro and basil and all the herbs are available here too. Now, when you move to Panama, you have to get a visa, right? So right. let, let's assume, based on all the things that you're saying, that it's a desirable destination. The prices are advantageous, certainly coming from North America or Europe. Probably the numbers are very similar. How do you go about getting a visa? What is that process like? Well, before I talk about the visa process, let me say that somebody that's coming from the United States, they can come and visit Panama or give it a test drive and just check it out for 180 days. You don't even need a visa. So someone might want to come and spend a month or two in Panama and check out several different areas and see if it's really right for them before they even start jumping through the hoops of getting a visa. But then if you do decide that Panama is right for you and you want to get a visa, there's many different visa options. The most popular visa option is for retirees. It's called the Pensionado Visa. And to get that visa, you need to prove that you have $1,000 a month in lifetime income, like Social Security, military retirement, pension from a job. And then if you're married, you need to add another $250 um, to that. So a couple would need to show that they have only $1,250 a month in lifetime income. And it's a two-step process for getting that visa. First, um, there's some things that you have to gather from the United States. Um, Panama requires that everybody applying for a visa pre presents an FBI report. And hopefully it's clean. There's nothing on it. But if you don't have a felony, you'll still be able to get a visa. If you had a felony, you won't be able to get a visa in Panama. Um, so you'll need the FBI report and proof of income. If you're married, you'll need a certified copy of your marriage certificate. All those things need to be authenticated by the Panama consulate in the United States. And then you come down to Panama to get a visa. It takes about four days to get what's called a temporary visa. It's good for six months, but usually within a couple of months, your attorney will call you and say your permanent visa is ready. The great thing about the visas in Panama is once you get your permanent visa, it's good forever. There's no renewal fees. There's nothing else you have to do. You can live in Panama indefinitely. However, if something comes up and you need to leave the country for a while, you, there's no requirement to live in Panama. You only have to come back every two years for a visit for at least one day. I mean, you could literally fly in in the morning and fly out in, in the afternoon. As long as you got that stamp on the passport, then you've met your requirements to maintain your visa. 
Um, but and it costs the cost to get a permanent uh, pensionado visa for a couple is about twelve hundred to fourteen hundred dollars, depending on which immigration attorney that you're going to use. So it's super easy process. The qualifications are easy. Now, if you don't qualify, if you don't have a pension that meets that, then there's some other visa options that are available. If you want to start a business, there's a business visa. If you wanted to, uh, if you were going to be a remote worker, there's a remote worker visa that you had to show that you have $3,000 a month in income from your job. Or there's also something called the Friendly Nation Visa. Then there's three ways to qualify for that. One is to buy real estate worth at least $200,000. Another one is to put $200,000 in the bank. Or you can just set up a company for about $5,000 and the company hires you to work, which may be managing your rentals back in the United States or uh, that remote job that you might have. So there's a lot of different ways to get a visa here so that you can live here indefinitely. But you are required. You can only stay 180 days as a tourist. Um, if you want to stay here longer, you have to get a residency visa. If I understood correctly, Americans, is that North Americans or just Americans? Well, anybody, anybody from any any country, if they want to get the pensionado visa, they have to prove that they have $1,000 a month in lifetime income, whether you're from the United States or Canada or Germany, the qualifications no, are the same. Sorry, I didn't explain that well. You said earlier that you could visit Panama for six months, 180 days, without right. having to get a visa. Is that right? That's that's correct. Uh -huh. it, so anybody in the world can do that, or is that from certain countries that have a special status? Um. People from the United States and Canada can visit for 180 days. People from most other countries, um, they only get 90 days to visit the country, which is still plenty of time to determine if Panama is right for you. And then the requirements that you're sharing after that, the pensionado visa, the, the where you have to show that you have $1,000 a month in lifetime income or 1250 if it's a couple, an FBI report, the certification, certified copy of a marriage certificate, that's for... Any the, country. Yeah. And that's for the pensionado now, of course, visa specifically. Of course, if, if you're from Canada, it would be your RCMP report, which is the equivalent of an FBI report. Whatever country you're from, it's a national criminal report. And so which is the temporary visa that you were saying? Well, anytime that you're going to get a visa, whenever you apply for the visa, they, you don't go straight to permanent visa. Initially, you're issued a temporary visa card, which is about the size of a driver's license. And then that gives the immigration department time to verify all the information that you've submitted. So usually within two months, you'll get your permanent visa. And then you said that... There is a cost of, I think it was $1,200 in order to get the visa? Yes, twelve dollars to $1,400, depending on which immigration attorney you use. Every attorney has different fees. But usually, for a couple, the cost is going to be about $1,200 to $1,400 to get a visa. Some attorneys, if it's a veteran, a U.S. military veteran, they offer uh, veteran discounts also. And so are you required to use an attorney? Yes. 
Yes, you have to use an immigration attorney to get a visa in Panama. Even if you speak fluent Spanish, you still have to use an immigration attorney. Is this also the same requirement for the other types of visa that you mentioned, the remote workers and the friendly nation and the business visa? Uh, yes. Uh, well, no. If it's a business visa, then you have to invest in a business, and they require a minimum of $160,000 investment into a business, or um, you could do just the one where you set up a corporation for $5,000 and you bring your existing business to Panama. So there's a lot of different visa options and, you know, also, if you have an Italian passport, you can just instantly go straight to a permanent visa because they have some kind of a treaty with Italy that they give all Italian citizens instantly get uh, pass uh, they get a residency visa here in Panama. There's about 20 different visa options. Um, but like I said, the most popular one is the pensionado visa. The other great thing about the pensionado visa, and this is for retirees, is once you get that visa, there are all kinds of discounts that you can get. For example, you can get 25% off of airfare to anywhere in the world on any airline. You also get 25% off your electric bill. You get 20% off at every single restaurant. If you want to go to the movie theater, you get 50% off at a movie theater. Um, just the list goes on and on of discounts that you get now um, that are available to anybody that moves to Panama. Let's think about it from the perspective of someone in North America that's listening to this conversation and, and says, well, that sounds pretty sweet, nice weather. It's more affordable, perhaps, in some ways than what they might have at home. And the costs of entry to test it out first, the six months, and then to acquire the visa is relatively affordable, 1200 to 1400 for a couple. What, what does someone have to do in order to make that transition? In other words, if they're leaving their home in the United States, can they bring their property with them? Because especially for retirees, many people have a life times worth of things that they have accumulated, mementos, collections, etc. How does that work? Well, first of all, I think it's a good idea to, you know, of course, you need to visit Panama before you even decide that you want to get a visa and go through, you know, getting the FBI report, getting a visa, all those things. You need to come and visit Panama and make sure that it's right for you. And there's so many different places So you want to check out several different places in Panama to make sure it's right for you. And then once you do decide that it's right for you, many of the properties, the rental properties here in Panama, they come completely furnished. So you may even want to use that 180 days or six months or 90 days and come and give Panama a test drive for three months to make sure you really like it and make sure that it has everything that you're looking for. And then if you decide that it is right for you, you can find a rental property that's not furnished. And it is certainly possible to ship all your household goods and even your car 
down to Panama, but that's pretty expensive. For a 40-foot shipping container from the United States to Panama, it's going to cost about $15,000. It's quite expensive. But some people, they get rid of their furniture. They get rid of the big stuff. The king-size bed might not fit in the bedrooms here in Panama. And instead, they just ship down a pallet, which is like 48 inches by 48 inches by 48 inches. So they just ship down a pallet or two. And that's only about $1,500 to ship each pallet, which would have maybe your Christmas decorations and the pictures of the family and you know, just the special things that you really want to bring with you. What about duties? A lot of countries, including the U.S., have duties when you bring items from another country. If you have a visa, it's all waived. There's no duty fees. So you can bring your $100,000 car and a lifetime's worth of Mm -hmm. property And other than the cost of getting them there, there are no duties? There's no customs fees. There's no duty fees. No. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Literally, I would say Panama rolls out the red carpet for people that want to move to Panama. They make it easy. Um, The visa process is easy. Um, They don't nickel and dime you on all kinds of custom fees. They say, come on down and make it easy. You've mentioned several times renting, and you've talked about that people should go and visit before making any decisions. Are there a lot of people who just up and go there without ever visiting the country? There are some. There are certainly some people that they, um, you know, they've followed my website, they've read lots of articles, they uh, do live streams on Saturday, and they feel like they know enough about the country that it's going to be a good fit. So they just uh, buy their ticket and they move on down. The majority of those people, it works out for them just fine. But some people, they get here and, you know, it's the cultural shock or if they don't speak any Spanish and being around Spanish speakers makes them nervous. So, um, but you don't need to know Spanish to live in many places in Panama. Um, English is spoken very widely, so you don't have to know Spanish, but, um, for some people it works out just fine to just do it. But the majority of people, um, they do come down for at least a couple of weeks and do a visit before they make that big decision to move to a foreign country. You talked about going there for up to six months. I think you said three months at one point. How do you go about doing that? Is it possible to find a renter, I'm sorry, a rental where you can rent, I don't know, in Panama City or Boquete or uh, some other, probably coastal, I think is what a lot of people talk about in Panama, some other area of Panama. Is it Is it easy to find three-month or six-month rentals? It certainly is. And, you know, some people that come down for that 90 days or 180 days, they might want to do Panama City for one month and then do the coastal area for one month and then do in the highlands for one month or on the Caribbean side for one month. So Airbnb is certainly a good source for finding short-term rentals like that. Uh, But there's also real estate agents and property managers throughout the country that can, if you want to stay three months or six months, that can help you find the right rental property. 
And just word of mouth is also just putting the word out either on Facebook or letting me know that you're coming to Panama. I usually have information about rentals. I just helped someone find a two-bedroom, two-bath rental, furnished, all utilities included, with a fenced yard in Boquete for $550 a month. And that includes everything. And a gardener also includes a weekly gardener. Do you recommend renting versus buying? I do. I recommend renting versus buying at least for the first six months that you're here. Um, I think it's a good idea to make sure you get your permanent visa before you buy any real estate. Also, make sure that you like Panama before you jump into buying real estate. Um, so it's so rent is so cheap and it's so easy. So just make sure you like the area. Give it at least six months or a year would be better before you jump into buying real estate. Um, also, Panama only has two seasons. We have the dry season and the rainy season. So in the dry season, which is about the middle of December till about the middle of April, we don't get hardly any rain at all. And it's a little bit windy. Some areas are more windy than other areas are. Our rainy season, which starts the middle of April, and in about December, we don't, we get a little bit of rain, maybe in the late afternoon or at night when you're sleeping, except for October and November. October, November, it might rain starting at noon and rain all day long. So some people that doesn't bother them, some people it does bother them. So I think it's a good idea to experience Panama in both the rainy season and the dry season to make sure you like that area before you make a buying decision. There's some parts of Panama, like the Azuera Peninsula, which is on the Pacific side, where it doesn't get very much rain. It only gets about 40 inches of rain a year. So if people don't like rain, uh, then living here short term in just a rental property gives you a chance to explore different areas to find one that has the right fit so it's not, um, so the weather doesn't bother you. By the way, we talked about bringing your household goods. The other thing you can bring with you are your pets. You can bring your dogs and your cats and all those things to Panama also. Uh, many airlines, um, it can just, if it's a small enough, it can go underneath the seat in front of you. If it's a larger pet, it'll have to go in cargo. There's also pet relocation companies that can get your pets here. So yes, you can bring your pets when you move to Panama too. Uh, let's go back to the rain for a second. I understand that there is flooding in Panama. I, I, it's not quite clear to me whether it's chronic flooding or the oh. threat of flooding. Would you tell us about that? Uh, in some areas, there there has been flooding in some areas. Um, for example, there was a flood over in Volcan, which is about an hour and a half west of where I live. And it's because there was a big river and they had a lot of rain and some trees fell down over the river, which caused a big dam. And whenever the rains kept coming, it broke the dam and then that caused some flooding in the area. So it's not something that happens every time it rains, but it can certainly happen in some areas. Also, if you watch any videos about Panama City, whenever it's raining, sometimes there's so much rain um, that the streets will get 
you know, it'll be up to halfway on your tires that the streets can get a little bit flooded. So it's a lot of rain. Panama typically gets about 120, 100 to 120 inches of rain a year. That's a lot of rain, unless you're in those where a peninsula where it only gets 40 inches of rain. So people that are coming from a really dry place, um, if they haven't experienced 100 inches of rain a year, that's another reason I say rent first to make sure you can handle that. Because if not, you're either going to need to move to the Azuera where it gets less rain, or maybe Panama wouldn't be right for you if it's you just don't like the rain. Now, the other side of that, water issue is that apparently in Panama by law houses have to have a water tank no it's not by law so there's some other big pluses to the rain 85% of the electricity in Panama is generated by hydroelectric plants so all that rain provides the water so that we can have electricity and it keeps our electric bills really low my Electric bills rarely over $25 a month uh, where I live. Um, but you don't have um, the, the reserve water tank. It's not required by law, but it's recommended that in the dry season, um, there could be the water reserves could be low. So it may be necessary that you have that reserve water tank. What happens is there's a reserve water tank, the municipal water comes into your reserve tank and it fills it up. I have one at my house, it's 10,000 liters. And then when you turn on your faucet in the house, the water comes out of the reserve tank and it makes more room for more municipal water. So there's always extra water in that reserve tank just in case. Um, and usually it would happen in April in the dry season, the water pressure's low or there's not very much water for the municipal water. But if you have a reserve water tank, you wouldn't even notice that. How frequent are the power outages? I understand that in some parts of the country, power outages are a common occurrence. So we It used to be quite often that we would get um, power outages, um, especially in the rainy season. If it was pouring down rain and lightning and thundering, it was pretty often that we would get power outages. But about three years ago, um, there was a new company that bought the electric company here, Natrogeny. Uh, what, they bought up everything. They've replaced all the transformers. They've replaced all the lines. And now we don't get power outages hardly ever. And even if you do, it might last for one or two minutes and then it just comes right back on. Now, it seems to always go out right at that last five minutes of the Netflix movie that I'm watching when the cliffhanger is <laughs> going to happen. But, um, you know, at least with Netflix, you can resume wherever you were watching before. But it doesn't go out very often anymore. Now, if your electricity goes out, your Internet is going to go out also. That's the other problem if you have some kind of an online business. But it just doesn't happen very often since we have this new electric company that's replaced all the equipment. I understand also that there's no mail in Panama. Is that right. right? Yeah, well, and the problem is we don't really have addresses. You know, there's not like a one, two, three Main Street 
I don't have an address at my house. I have to share my location on WhatsApp for someone to find me. But there's no mail delivery to your house, but that doesn't mean you can't get mail. Um, Every little town has a post office, and you can have things sent just general delivery. Your name, you put your cell phone and general delivery to the town that you live in, and you go to the post office to pick up your mail. If you're lucky enough, you might even have a box, but uh, a a post office box, but if you don't, they just put it all in alphabetical order in a big box and you go in to pick it up. Now that works fine, but there's also something here that we call mail forwarding companies. So if you wanted to order something from Amazon or if your kids wanted to send you a birthday present, if you send it to the post office general delivery, it might take two or three weeks for it to get here and it might not make it. But if you have a mail forwarding company, when you want to get your credit card receipts or statements, if you want to get Amazon orders, if you want to get birthday cards from your family, what happens is the mail forwarding companies assign you an address in Miami, Florida. So if I order something from Amazon, it's sent to Miami, Florida. And then as soon as it's come in every day, they have planes that are flown Uh, that the mail is flown to Panama and then it goes to the town where you live. So usually it's about five days from the time I order something from Amazon until the time I get it here in Panama. Now, once again, it doesn't come to my house. They just send an email, let me know that I have a package. So I have to go in to pick it up. The good thing is you'll never see junk mail again at your house ever. And this is in Panama City, or would that be in your town of Boquete, where you are? The whole country. Yeah, the whole country. There's no mail delivery to your house. No, I'm sorry. So you were talking about the package. If you yeah. placed an order from yeah, Amazon. Yeah, anybody. For anybody. So it would take five days for the package to re- reach you from the time you order it until it arrives in Boquete? Yeah, five to seven days, you know, depending on the weekend and stuff. But you're not going to see the Amazon delivery truck driving down your street. We don't have any Amazon warehouses here. Which brings me to shopping. I know you said that they you can grow pretty much everything except for, I think, three things that you said. Do you go to a Kroger, a Publix, a big department store, a Costco, or do you go to a bunch of small stores to uh, purchase everything that you need. Um, so they have uh, they have the small stores here. They're um, they also have large North American style grocery stores, and that's where I usually go. Um, they're but it's not like Kroger. They're called Super Baru or Ray or Reba Smith is my favorite grocery store. But it's just like going into any North American grocery store. We also have we don't have Costco here, but we have. Price Mart. Price Mart is owned by Costco. So when you walk into Price Mart, it's just like going into Costco. You have to have the membership card is $35 a year to get a membership. And they have, you know, all the things, the Kirkland brands and all the things that you would find at any Costco. I was just there last week and stocked up. I call it the $200 store because you rarely get out for less than $200. Let's talk about transport. You talked about renting and then maybe deciding if you like it to buy. How do you get around? So I have a car and because I live, it's 12 minutes drive for me to get into town. I live kind of in the country on several acres. 
But um, for if for a lot of people, they don't want to have a car anymore once they move to Panama. Public transportation is excellent. Whether you're in Panama City or outside of the city, public transportation is great. Um, even right by my house, there's a bus that goes by every 30 minutes that would take me into town for 50 cents. Um, or I could take a town, a bus, a public bus that goes from Boquete, the town that's closest to me, to David, which is the second largest town in Panama, that has the big Costco stores, it has the big grocery stores, it has hospitals, um, it has everything, and it's only $1.75 to take that public bus to get from one place to another. So because the cost is so cheap for public transportation, many people um, decide they don't want to own a car. They don't want to have the maintenance and all those other things with a car, and they just use public transportation. Most Panamanians prefer not to have a car, or maybe they can't afford it, and they use public transportation. In Panama City, um, especially, it's really good. There are subway systems in Panama City, and it's only 25 cents to take the subway to wherever you want to go in Panama, or they have the big metro buses, the public buses, and those are also 25 cents. And tell us a little bit about safety as you're talking about getting on public transportation and getting around in a foreign country where perhaps you don't speak the language. I can see already people's alarm bells going off and concerns, women alone, traveling, getting around. Um, yeah. but in addition to that, somebody that I mentioned that I was going to be doing this interview to said, well, but aren't there immigrants crossing through from South America in through Central America to the U.S., the caravans. Yeah. What- well, no, but they do it differently here in Panama. They actually, and, and it's down like 90%, the number of immigrants that are coming through Panama. But what they do is they meet them at the border on the Darien side of Panama, and they do a thorough health inspection of them. And then they put them on a bus, and they take them to a special uh, reserve that they have set aside where they have housing and meals and doctors and nurses and schools for the children until they're given permission to go through Costa Rica. At that point, they're put on a bus and they're taken to Costa Rica. So they're not just walking through the country like you see on the news um, in some other countries that there are these big caravans of people walking in Panama. They take care of them. They get put them on a bus, an air-conditioned bus. They take them to a place where they have housing and food and medical care until they're given permission to transport through to Costa Rica. Then once again, they're taken on a bus right to the Costa Rica border. And what about just in general, getting around? Just in general, you know, I and I'm single now. When I moved to Panama in 2010, I moved here with my husband. Um, Sadly, he passed away in 2017. So I've been a single woman here all by myself. And I, you know, I walk all over town in Panama City and the rest of the country. I drive all over the country by myself. And I've never, ever, ever had a situation where I felt uncomfortable or I felt at risk. I did have a time, one time, where I was driving along the road and I had a flat tire. And there is like an emergency service that you can call and they'll come in. If you have a car problems or a flat tire, they'll do it. But before I could even call, some people called to have, some people stopped to help and they changed the tire for me because I'm not good at changing tires. 
but um, Panamanians are the most friendly, nice, kind people that you're ever, they would bend over backwards to help you if you had some kind of an emergency situation. That said, there's certain places in Panama that do have a reputation for having high crime, and I just don't go to those areas. So, you know, Cologne is one place that you don't want to go to. It's on the Atlantic side. Um, there's more crime in Cologne than anywhere else in the whole country. Um, also, the border towns, the Darien, uh, where the migrants come through, and also the border town on the Costa Rica border, Pasacanoas and Portanoas, are places that I won't go to because they have a reputation for having drug bust and having um, crime and things there. So it's easy enough to avoid them. But I've never had my house broken into. I've never had my car broken into. I've never had anything stolen out of my yard. And uh, and everybody I know is in the same situation. I don't know anybody that's had problems here. Panama is a super um, safe country, very friendly. Also, the gun laws are very, very strong here. So, you know, most people don't even have a gun. You can get a gun, and once you get your permanent visa, you can get a gun permit and you can buy a gun, but um, most people don't feel the need to have one here. I know someone who has, I know several people who have a gun collection. Right. Would they be able to take that with them as part of their household belongings? Unfortunately, no. Right now, with the current president that we have, they have a ban on bringing guns into the country. Now, when we get a new president in 2024, a president has one five-year term. That's it. There's no re-election. When we get a new president in 2024, then they may lift that ban and allow people to bring their gun collections into the country. But right now, you're not allowed to bring guns into the country. We're having a real estate bubble in the U.S. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard the market has started to crash, but the prices are still astronomically high. The, um, one of the reports I saw yesterday said that buyers are boycotting because the prices are so high they just can't afford to buy. Yeah. How does that compare with Panama? Well, the other problem in the United States is the interest rates have gone up and people now need to make at least $10,000 more a year to even be able to qualify for a mortgage. Um, so in Panama, it depends on where you are. There's some places in Panama where if the real estate is priced less than $350,000, um, then it sells pretty quickly. Um, anything over $350,000 sits on the market for quite some time. Um, but we haven't seen the big increase or drop or increase or drop in prices like you've had in North America. Um, some friends of mine just bought a really nice two-bedroom, two-bath house in Puerto Rios, which is a town about halfway between David and Boquete. Um, and it's on about an acre of land for $72,000. So, you know, you can't even imagine those prices in North America. Where do taxes come in? Because certainly for U.S. citizens, I'm not sure where Canada comes in on that. It doesn't uh, matter where you are in the world. You still have to pay taxes. You do. So Panama has what's called a territorial taxing system. And in Panama, you only pay taxes 
um, income taxes if you sell any products or you sell services in Panama. They don't tax you on any income that you make. So your Social Security or income from a job that you might have in another country, you would not pay taxes on that in Panama. Um, but if you're a U.S. citizen, you still have to file a tax return and you still have to pay taxes on your income. But there's a catch. Um, if you live overseas full time, if you live in Panama full time or any country full time, then you can qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion, which means the first $112,000 in income per person is deleted from your income. So you would only pay taxes on anything that you make over $112,000 because if you live overseas full-time, you qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion. So even though you still have to file a tax return and pay taxes, you pay much less taxes if you live in Panama full-time. What happens if you decide that you want a Panamanian passport? Will these visas that we've been talking about, the pensionado and the... Uh, Inland nation, yes, you can get a Panama passport. Um, on, for, some countries have a... You, know, you can get citizenship by investment. Panama doesn't have that. But if you get the pensionado visa... Five years after you get your pensionado visa, you can apply for Panama citizenship, and there is a process that's involved. It only costs $600 to get your Panama passport, so it's super affordable. First, you have to, um, and your immigration attorney can help you with the whole process. First, you have to be interviewed um, to explain, well, why do you want your citizenship in Panama? And then you have to take a test, which has 10 questions about Panama history, like when was it started and, you know, who's the current president. And they even give you a study guide to study with it. So it's super easy to pass that test. And if you pass that test, then you are granted uh, citizenship and a passport. A lot of what we're seeing lately is that because communication is so speedy compared to what it used to be, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, with between social media and the technology that allows us to communicate instantly, people are making changes and those changes are affecting our world. And what I'm leading to is all of these pluses that you're describing that make Panama so attractive, are they changing the country? For those people who are listening to us and saying, well, 12 years ago when you moved to Panama, all of these things were the case. What are the chances that they're going to continue being the case, that it's going to continue being affordable? And all of these things that we've discussed in right. fill in the blank a year or five years so that if you it takes you a year to move there or if you move there and in five years, is it going to transform into something else because so many people are moving there? So I don't think, you know, I've been here 12 years and the prices really have not gone up much in the 12 years. And the reason I don't think it's going to be a problem in the future is everything in Panama, whether it's a doctor visit or buying milk or buying, um, you know, buying a house or anything else, it's primarily priced so that your average Panamanian can afford it. So they, 
if you want to use the public health care system, there's no monthly fee. Like I said, it's $2 to see a doctor. And if you couldn't pay the $2, you'd still get medical care. You don't have to worry about that. But everything here is priced so that you're the lowest denominator of a Panamanian can afford it. You know, buying rice, buying chicken, buying all those things are priced so that, and even eggs, $1.87 for a dozen organic eggs, large eggs. Uh, but it's all priced so that Panamanians can afford it. The minimum wage in Panama is like $2 an hour for the minimum wage. And that might be the person that's, you know, washing dishes at a restaurant or gardeners and things like that. Of course, there's many people that work at banks that have much better paying jobs. The average wage in Panama is $24,000 a year. But everything here in Panama is kept so that Panamanians can afford it. We're just fortunate as foreigners that we get to take advantage of those low prices. Jackie, and if you, I forgot to ask you when we were talking about the um the, for example, when you talked about the order, if you ordered from Amazon and how you would get that, is that subject to a, an import duty? Say if no. you order, I don't know, vitamins or clothing or a computer. Nope. nope. No tax. No tax for products that you import for your personal use. That's right. Now, you do have to pay the mail forwarding company for getting the stuff to you, which is usually about $2 a pound. Um, or you can have it sent by sea instead of by air, and then you can get the price down a little bit more. So you do pay the mail forwarding company, but there's no tax, there's no custom fees, no import fees for any of those things you bring in. What about these Panama relocation tours? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, like you said in the introduction, shortly after, when I moved to Panama, I was planning to be just semi-retired and maybe continue to do a little bit of real estate investing here. But some of my real estate investor friends asked me to do a tour for them. And then I was getting calls from other people because they were also interested, but they didn't know where to start on moving to Panama. So in 2010, I started Panama Relocation Tours to basically hold people's hand. And it's a seven-day tour that goes across the country. We start in Panama City. We show you all the most popular places to live in Panama but um, and the pros and cons of each one of the area because every place has pros and cons. But also when the bus is traveling from one location to another, it's like a rolling seminar. So we're educating you on how to get your pet to Panama, where to buy health insurance, you know, how to buy a car using a car broker, um, um, how to find a rental property, um, all the different things that you need to know to just make that transition to Panama as smooth and easy as possible. So that works for a lot of people doing this seven-day tour across country. But some people, they've already done a lot of research about Panama, and they say, I know I want to live at the beach. So, you know, we all sell for private tours that are just for Pocas del Toro on the Caribbean side or only for Coronado or only for Azuera. So people might not need the whole seven-day tour. They can just focus on the area they're most interested in. And so how many people? We've ahead. helped th thousands of people move to Panama. We've done 100, and we're on tour number 175 right now, and we've just helped thousands of people have a smooth move to Panama. In a tour, if you're doing one of the regular tours, how many people will be on the tour with you? 
So we have a 40 passenger bus, um, super comfortable 40 passenger bus. And we usually have 20 people and at least two or three tour guides that are on that tour also. So there's still plenty, you know, there's reclining seats, panoramic windows. There's still plenty of um, social distancing and room to spread out on the bus with 20 people. And how many hours of driving per day? So the tour always starts at nine o'clock in the morning and by four o'clock in the afternoon, we're at the hotel we're going to stay at. But also during that time, we, of course, we stop for lunch. Um, we show you rental properties um, in each one of the different areas so you can get an idea of what do you get for 500 a month? What do you get for 1500 a month? So you can see what the rentals are like. Also, when we have lunch, we always invite some expats or people that have moved to the area um, so they can talk about what they like and don't like about the area that they've moved to. So we introduce you to people in each area we visit. And what is the price range for the tours? So if it's just one person that's going on a tour, keep in mind this is an all-inclusive tour. We pick you up at the airport, includes all your hotels, all your meals, all the transportation, the information. For one person, it's $2,500. For a couple, it's 4000 and you offer these year-round, or is it one Year-round, every month. And then if you just want to do a private tour, it's only $250 a day for a couple to go on a private tour. What would you say for people listening to us who are trying to absorb all this information we've shared, is there a type of person that you think would not be happy whether it's a digital nomad or whether it's someone interested in the pensionado program, are mm -hmm. there people who, because of their particular preferences, would not be happy in Panama? Um, you know, I just did a live stream last Saturday about did I make a mistake moving to Panama? And there are certain people that probably should not move to Panama. Um, for one, if you have um, chronic health problems, um, you may, like if you've had cancer, if you have diabetes, if you have um, certain health problems, then you may not be able to get health insurance in Panama. Health insurance is cheap. If you're between 60 and 69 years old, it's only $102 a month to get health insurance here. Um, but they won't insure people that have pre-existing certain pre-existing conditions. If it's just high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you can still get insurance. But if you've had cancer or you're diabetic, you can't get insurance here. You can still get health care and you can use the public health care system to keep your costs down, but you're going to have to pay out of pocket for all health care. So if someone has a lot of medical problems, uh, it might be better to stay where you are, where you have Medicare. Um, the other one is back to the whole healthcare thing is um, a lot of the insurance here in Panama does not cover medications. So we really advise everybody to check to see if the medications that you take are available in Panama. And if they are, what do they cost? Because in some cases they could cost more than what you're spending right now. Now, if you have Medicare in the United States, you can order your medications from like Amazon Pharmacy and using that mail forwarding company, you can have sent to you in Panama. 
Um, also, a lot of people don't know it, but if you have the right Medicare Advantage plan, then it will cover you for urgent care or emergencies here in Panama. So if you were to have a stroke or heart attack or automobile accident, um, the Medicare Advantage plan, if you have the right one, it'll cover you in Panama. But those are, if you have medical problems, you need to make sure that you can get health insurance um, or that you're okay with the public health care system, which is excellent, by the way. Or and the big thing is your medications. Are they available and what will they cost? For people that are in those situations, Panama might not be a good fit. And otherwise, you're saying there's a lot of flexibility in terms of climate, technology oh, yeah. available. And Absolutely. If they don't have it, you can purchase it. I'm assuming there are some things that are hard to come by, but it sounds like certainly home furnishings are readily available. Computers, perhaps? Computers with the English operating system. The one thing you cannot buy here in Panama, it's very hard to find, is Temptation Cat Treats. My cat loves those, and you can't buy them. So I have to import them from Amazon. I saw a video of somebody who said that it had been very easy for her to bring, I think it was her dog, to mm -hmm. Panama, but that when she left the country, she had a very hard time being able to take her dog to the country that she was going to. So not so much that she had trouble leaving Panama with the pet, but that the country where she was going, I think was in Europe, they didn't want to let her in with the dog. Yeah. Yeah, that's something to investigate is, you know, what are the rules for getting your pet? I know uh, shortly after I moved to Panama, my son was offered a, a job in Amsterdam and he had a cat that he really wanted to take with it. But the cat had to be uh, microchipped. It had to have a 30 day quarantine. Uh, there was a $5,000 import fee for the cat. And, you know, the, he couldn't afford any of those things. So he said, Mom, can my cat come and live with you while I'm doing this two-year job in Amsterdam. So he did that. So, um, you know, if you're just going from Panama back to the United States, it's very easy to do that. But you need to always investigate what the rules are in different countries for getting your pet in. Other than that you own the Panama Relocation Tour Company, do you have any uh, conflict of interest disclosures that you want to share with us? No, I don't have any. Yeah, I, we don't. Um, you know, we have recommendations for different insurance companies, um, different three different agents for real estate companies that we know are honest and ethical that are going to charge the right price. But I absolutely get no commissions, no kickbacks, no anything from anybody that we refer you to. We have eight different immigration attorneys that we work with. So you can pick the one you want. Um, and I get no commissions from anybody. Um, because that would certainly be a conflict of interest. What would you suggest for listeners who are interested and would like to know more? Where can they get more information on this topic? Because obviously we couldn't cover everything in an hour. Right. So a good place to start is if you go to our website, PanamaRelocationTours.com, and just subscribe to get our eight-part email series. And it's going to talk about banking. It's going to talk about healthcare. It's going to talk about a lot of different things, but just to educate yourself about Panama, and you can do that with that free um, series, email series that we send out. I also offer 
um, live streams, free live streams every Saturday. This Saturday, I'm going to be talking about getting financing to buy real estate. Three different ways you can get financing to buy real estate. So on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Panama Relocation Tours, I have over 200 videos of interviews with people that live in Panama, um, different parts of the country to see what it's like. Um, to say, oh, well, this looks great, but no, don't like that one. But it'll just gives you, a, um, get you familiar with the different areas of Panama and learning what people think about living here. So definitely check out our YouTube channel and our, our uh, website. Are those people in the videos receiving compensation? No, we don't give them any compensation. I do pay my videographer to do the video, but um, that's it. Okay. Anything else you want to share? Nothing else I want to share. I just think that uh, it's a big decision to move to another country, whether it's Panama or Mexico or wherever. Um, But with all the things going on in the United States and the inflation going so high and, you know, it's not going to get better. It's just going to keep going up and up and up. So now is the time to start looking at, you know, what's my plan B? What am I going to do? So I certainly encourage people to check out the opportunities, the amazing opportunities available here in Panama. Jackie, thank you for joining us from Boquete in Panama. Thank you for the opportunity. If anybody has any questions, of course, they're welcome to send us an email. We have a contact us form on our website. And to our audience, you have been listening to Jackie Lang, who is Chief Executive Officer of Panama Relocation Tours, who discussed relocating to Panama. To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.